each individual show host and or guest, whether on air or via social media, are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Fluent Radio staff, management, and or owners. Viewer discretion may be advised. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, now tuned into the greatest. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, appropriations, welcome back to another episode of Because I Have a Live Mic here on Fluent Radio. What's good, everybody? We are going to have a great load of topics for you today. Like, for example, who should be the MVP right now between Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy? And I'll give you a hint, it, it, it won't be Dak Prescott. Uh, we also going to talk about the problems that the Eagles and the Chiefs have and that they need to address before they try to make a run for the Super Bowl. And we're also going to talk about um, Tyrese Halliburton. We need to start giving him his flowers because right now he is playing at an absolute elite level right now. Um, but we also need to start off with this. So, of course, you know, the big story right now in the sports world is the controversy behind Alabama getting into the college football playoffs over a team like Florida State who did win their um, who did win their uh, division, right? Their conference with the ACC. I'm going to say something that's probably <clears throat> that's probably a little less controversial. Alabama should have won over Florida State. Now, Hear me out before everybody gets my fire picks out. Why are y'all shocked that the NCAA chose money over, uh, you know, a resume? Why are y'all shocked? What is going? Listen, the reason why they picked Alabama is because of what happened last year. I tell y'all this all the time. The NCAA does not care about Cinderella stories. They love to put it out there. They love to do it. The main focus is if you look at the um, the like the college basketball march madness they love to tell you about the cinderella story oh they love it right i think it was a what i want to say like a few years ago with florida gulf Gulf coast when they got to like the elite eight right like they were you know the cinderella story everybody loved to talk about them they always was up there and oh you know is this the year that a cinderella team wins it all no it wasn't it was the same team that always wins it is right cinderella teams in the ncaa are great stories but they hate them when they actually come time to play Last year, when TCU went up uh, against Georgia and they got smoked by like 55 points, right? They lost 65 to like, I think, seven. They got blown out on national TV and the ratings for it were terrible, right? The ratings for that game was complete dog. They were terrible. NCAA said, never again are we going to let a uh, Florida a team like TCU win, right? And Florida State, unfortunately, got the, you know, the wrong. Now, again, I am a Miami fan. I am a Hurricane. I ain't ever going to really defend Florida State. Should they have been in there? Of course they should have been in there. They're an undefeated team in a Power 5 conference that won their division, right? They won the ACC. They didn't do it convincingly, but they won the ACC, right? They, by all means, they should be in there. They have the exact same wins against uh, Alabama. They have the exact same wins that Alabama has against right teams, which is three, right? They played... Basically the exact same teams, right? They both beat LSU. They both have wins over, you know, ranked teams like Duke. Uh, Alabama has wins over Tennessee. I, I know Tennessee being ranked is whatever. Um, they both have wins over, you know, good quality opponents. The problem is Alabama is a better story to tell 
in uh, the AC in the uh, NCAA playoffs, right? Like they are a better story to oh, right? Alabama is the first time in a long time they're the underdog, right? You know, not too many people think they're going to win. They're the fourth seed. They got to go against Big Bad Michigan. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh is back from his you know suspension from you know stealing signs because ironically enough, the only time he started winning is when he started stealing signs, allegedly allegedly stealing signs from other people. But you know, it is what it is. Um. But yeah, when you look at it, Alabama should have deserved to be in there because it tells a better story. It's a better story for people to pitch than, well, Florida State could run the table, but without Jordan Travis there, they're probably not going to do anything, right? Like they barely beat a Louisville team, right? Like they're combined. They, each of their games where they beat somebody, where they beat their last three games since Jordan Travis was out, they have won by 16 points. Like literally, like each game has been 16, 16, 16, right? So they have not looked like the same Florida State team they have early on in the year. And it sucks for them, right? Jordan Travis has been an amazing talent. He goes down with a broken leg. It sucks, right? Like, I hate that it had to go down like this. Um, but at the end of the day, Alabama is just a better story to tell, right? Like, and that's what the NCAA is. Like, I tell people all the time, the NCAA is the most, the single most corrupt organization in all of sports. And y'all are shocked that they chose money and ratings over an actual resume that a team has like i don't know why people again the organization since its installment has made money off the backs of kids for years for decades right they made money off of the kids for decades without even thinking about giving them any type of compensation for it and y'all are shocked that they pick money over these kids right like they fought paying kids for years like they fought that for years before all of a sudden they decided, ah, we can change our mind and give them the NIL deals only because it ended up making them more money in the end, right? That's the only reason why they did NIL deals, right? So, like, if you are shocked by this, I hate to break it to you, but you ain't been paying attention long. So, yeah, Alabama getting in college football playoffs tells a better story, right? Jalen Milrow has become a way better quarterback since his benching, right? Like, he's become a way better quarterback, Alabama in there tells the story of can they do this? Can they come back from like where it looked like a lot of people were shocked that they were even uh, going to be in the SEC championship game because they had the prayer to beat Auburn. <clears throat> they had the prayer throw against all uh, against Auburn to beat them, and everybody's going up against Georgia. They were like, I think there was like a seven. I think they were like a seven to a ten point underdog. Uh, one of the highest has been since Nick Saban's been there. And they went in and they won. Like they won convincingly. They didn't really. They won convincingly, right? Like, yeah, we are shocked. We're not shocked that Georgia ended up coming, kind of coming back from it, uh, just because Georgia wasn't leading top team twenty nine straight games. But are we shocked that Alabama is in the playoffs? Like, I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, this is just the Alabama Invitational. Alabama's been in it almost every year since the inception of it. Yeah, Alabama again. Alabama sell tickets. Alabama gets butts and seats. It, they can always tell the story. Is this the year Alabama runs the table? Is this the year Alabama gets booted out, right? Is this, you know, Nick Saban greatest coaching uh, since his inception in Alabama, right? He's took his team that was probably, I wouldn't say one of the worst teams, but I think just one of the more poorly constructed teams because I think the problem was Nick Saban's, you know, was stuck in his old ways of kind of having a drop back quarterback and never really knowing how to use a running quarterback, right? Like we've seen it with Jalen Hurts. He never really knew how to maximize Jalen Hurts' talent 
because Jalen Hurts was just known for a runner, right? And Jalen Miro was kind of the same way where he was only really known for his running capability until later on when Nick Saban kind of sort of changed his offense to fit Jalen Milrow's, you know, capabilities, right? He changed it to fit what he can do best. And then that's when Jalen Milrow started to play better. So that's one of the reasons why Nick Saban actually was able to get to the SEC title game. Uh, but like I said, him going against Michigan, right? It's going to tell the story of Jim Harbaugh versus, you know, uh, you know, Nick Saban, right? The great coach versus coach, right? Like a high-powered offense was a great defense, right? Like it tells so many stories that I don't think Florida State would have been able to tell. It would have been like, can Florida State, you know, how long before Florida State, you know, runs out, right? Before the clock strike midnight, if we're going to keep with the Cinderella uh, analogies, right? So with that being said, with it going down like that, yeah, Alabama's going to be there, right? Like, and I know people are going to be upset because how does it jump? Like I said, the NCAA will always choose money over these kids any day, any day. It's just what it is. We sh- again, just be glad this is the last year for like the four team system, and then they're going to go to the twelve team system. So, at the end of the day, we will see how this actually turns out. Because now, now with it doing that with the twelve team system. This would actually be a little bit better because it eliminates a lot of those other unnecessary bowl games because now it's going to be a basically I wouldn't be shocked if the NCAA just kind of turned this into like the March Madness for football. Right. Like if we just randomly expand this out to the 64 teams like they do for March Madness, because that would be ended up being the best way to choose it. Right. So we'll see how that goes and we'll see how the 12 team system works. Right. Because. It's going to be hiccups for a while. Like, it's not going to be perfect the first time out, right? So, uh, expect at least two or three years before they kind of get it together before they get it right. Because now, with everything, you know, basically being realigned with the Pac-12 not going to be here anymore, with U, uh, USC and, UL, and UCLA going to the Big Ten, the SEC getting reshaped up, uh, the ACC changing, like, everything is going to be such a toss-up this year, like, next year, that... Football is going to be like the last thing on a lot of people's mind is it's just going to be how is this team going to work, right? How is Texas going to work in the SEC? How are uh, those California teams going to make the travel with the Big Tens, right? Like what's the Big 12 going to do now that they're no longer, you know, essentially the Big 12, right? Like what's going to happen with a lot of those other fringe teams or like the AAC or the Big East, right? Like a lot of those um, conferences that were on the fringe being like basically wiped out, <laughs> At this point Right Like how's the Big Ten Going to handle You know Travel between that Right Like it's going to be So many sub stories That football is kind of Going to get lost In the shuffle So I just don't know How it's going to work That first year After two to three years Once they figure it out I think the 12 team system Will actually be very good And we start to see it Switch over from like A 12 team To a 24 team Then you know Next thing you know We're going to have a 64 I, I would Bet in the next 10 to 15 years, college football puts in a, you know, a somewhat like March Madness for football, right? Like, I, I think that's going to happen somehow. Um, it's, it's just, it makes sense for them money-wise. It makes sense for them um, physical, not even physical. It makes sense for them money-wise. It makes sense for them, you know, sports-wise. It breaks it down so that way everybody can be like, well, see, It's everybody, you know, everybody gets a shot now. It's no longer just like the most popular team. Everybody gets a shot. So it's not on us. It's on everybody else. So I think it will flow 
once they get the hiccups out of it and like i said in 10 years we'll see a march madness for football so don't be shocked um florida state still has a good bowl game coming up they're still going to go against oregon uh alabama as far as like alabama's shot and chances of winning it they're alabama so i will always give them a shot in the dark to have the capability of winning a national title once again right uh going against michigan the one knock that's why i've always said about this question with john harbaugh the one knock on john harbaugh is he was never able to win the big one right last year where he had tcu where they were like a 15 point underdog to t uh tcu was a 15 point underdog to michigan and tcu knocked them out right Jim Harbaugh has never really won the big one, right? Like he's beaten, it took him, I think four years to finally beat Ohio State. Uh, Then when he finally got to a bowl game, it took him three times to win one of those. Then he got to the college football playoffs and he still hasn't had the success there. So this is going to be a very important year, especially if Jim Harbaugh wants to make that jump. So if he wants to make that jump, he's going to have to prove to the Bears that he can win the big one, right? Like, if he wants to go and be the Bears head coach, he's going to have to prove to them that he can win the big one because it matters not how many games you won when you were a head coach. That was then. This is now. You could have won as many games as you wanted to, and but there's a reason why you're no longer in the NFL, right? <clears throat> like, people, like, I had put this question up, on one of these Bears groups I'm in, and everybody kept bringing me up these great stats of how he won in the Super, he went to the Super Bowl. You know, he's like five and three in the playoffs. He's like seventy four and twenty seven in like the regular season as a head coach. But there was a reason he got fired. If he was such a success at a head coaching level in the NFL, you do not think other teams would have given him the opportunity to beat that, right? So there is a reason why he got fired. It's mainly because he couldn't win the big one. That's the one knock on him. And I'm I'm at the point now where if he does get the job, how long are we going to give him the excuse of, well, you know, he still got to get himself situated, right? Because I think the key thing is, I think if he gets this Bears job, he's going to be expected to win automatically, and it's not going to be like that. Even if Justin Fields stay, even if they go get Caleb Williams, if they get Marvin Harrison Jr., they can get anybody, right? The expectation for him to win right away, especially since he's technically not a rookie head coach anymore. He's been in the he's been in the league, so he's won at this level before. There are going to be high expectations for him. And the first time he doesn't succeed, a lot of people are going to be calling for his head. That's the only reason why I don't think he should be the head coach of the Bears. I think they should give somebody else a chance. Let him be, you know, let them be, you know, give a new head coach. Ben Johnson from Detroit, right? Uh, Kellen Moore from um, the Chargers, right? Give them some a new guy who hasn't had the opportunity to be a head coach in the league so that way they can he can kind of fall down, dust himself off, and figure it out while being a head coach without having the pressure of, no, he's got to win right now. He's got to win. And if he doesn't win right now, fire him next week, right? Like, you can't do that with a head coach. Especially if he's a rookie head coach, you gotta have him give him time. So this game is gonna be more interesting. Um, the game I'm more intrigued by is Texas versus uh, Washington, right? Like you got the Heisman hopeful, uh, Michael Pock Jr. He's been lighting it up since uh, since he's been in Washington. I think he's he's you know he went undefeated. He won 
the emotional and heartfelt game of the last Pac-12 uh, title. He's going to be the last. They're going to be the last Pac-10. I mean, Pac-12 uh, champion before they restructure that. Um, I just think he's he has the capability to not only raise his draft stock, but raise his stock in the you know in this the college football world where he's at. Right? Because imagine if he goes on wins and wins and ends up being like. You know the Pac twelve, the Pac twelve's last cha- last champion is the champion of the football playoffs, right? Like the Pac twelve, you know, basically swan song is them winning it all, right? Like that writes itself. So we don't know. And then with Texas, right? Texas, you know, <laughs> they always say Texas is back, baby. Texas is back, and right now they're looking back, right? <coughs> they're looking like they're going to be good. Um, I don't know with Texas though because Texas has very has been a weird team, right? Like they go in, they beat Alabama, but then they lose to Oklahoma. You know, it, Texas is a very toss up team. It's very wishy washy to where I'm not a hundred percent sure how this team looks, right? So if you're going from me out of the four teams, I think the team that's probably going to win it is going to be a Washington. I think Washington has. The capability of matching up with each one of these teams very well from an athletic standpoint, from a passing standpoint, from a defensively standpoint. Uh, I think they match up very well with each of these four teams. And I think it's just it's just too fitting to have the final Pac-12 champion end up being the national champion. I think there's be Washington's like first national title in their school's existence. So I just think it's too perfect as far as storylines go. So, yeah, I just think it's too perfect for them not to do it. So, I, I'm picking Washington to win it all. So, I, I just it's just too perfect for it. Uh, speaking of winning it all, I think we owe Adam Silver an apology. Like, I, I feel like we do a little bit. Um, this in-season tournament's kind of been fire. I'm not even going to hold you. Like, it's been a little fire. Like, it feels like basketball like feels like playoff basketball a little bit because like the i'll tell you why like the indiana pacer game and the uh boston Celtics when they played each other to go to uh vegas that was a playoff game right like the bucks versus new york that was a playoff game right uh it had that playoff feel like the suns versus the lakers it had that playoff feel and for a lot of people people who don't like watch basketball like that always give the excuse well i don't really watch basketball until after you know the all-star game because that's when they uh that's when it starts to turn up right like that's when it starts getting intense right and adam silver in basically saying like hey this in-season tournament is going on and we are actually playing good basketball because we wanted to make sure that our fans got the best out of every game we play right it's 82 games we don't want them just watching half of them and just waiting until the playoffs to actually start watching so we really got to give adam Crever, uh adam silver his flowers for doing that it's it's been an amazing tournament to watch um one of the things that makes the nt's tournament better to watch is that you get to see stars that you normally wouldn't get to see right like you get to see people like a tyrese halliburton on national tv and tyrese halliburton has quite I think because he's in Indiana and I don't think people really give Indiana its credit like that. Tyrese Halliburton has quietly become one of the better players in the N- NBA, right? He's averaging like 30 and 11 a game, right? He had his first triple double against, you know, the Boston Celtics, right? Where we're kind of seeing like a lot of the flaws in Boston to where we realize 
it's, it, it, they may not be as good as as I thought they were. So I'm kind of nervous about my pick. I'm still keeping him. Uh, but Tyrese Halliburton has really become a star in Indiana, and I don't think a lot of people notice it just because it's in Indiana. Um, but he's doing a lot of it by himself. Like, yeah, he's got like Miles Turner and Bruce Brown and you know Obi Top. Obi Toppin. I will say this: since his since the trade from New York to Indiana happened, Obi Toppin has been a lot better. Right, I think he's averaging like thirteen and three where he was in New York. I think it was just like nine and I think it was like nine and one. Uh, he's averaging. He's look a lot. I don't want to say he looks. He looks freer. He looks. He likes. He's not so nervous to play his game right like and he looks a lot more loose on the court that's why he's averaging a little bit more and he's looking a lot better like that player we expect him to uh being coming out of college and i think a lot of that is because he doesn't have to be the number one option even though he wasn't like the number one option in new york i just think i just feel like with new york and all the lights and everything on there it made him feel like he had to be a lot more of a player than he should have been. Uh, but Tyrese Halliburton has really outdone himself this year. And even last year, like Tyrese, it was, you know, you heard of Tyrese kind of coming together. But this year, I think, is the year they're putting it together. And I will say this. They can make they can kind of be the Sacramento Kings of this year. Right. Like they can kind of put together a little run. Right. Like I'm not picking them to go to the finals or I'm not picking them to be a team that beats a Philly or beats a Boston or beats a, um, a Milwaukee in like a playoff series. But they're one of those teams to where if you take them too lightly, they can upset you, right? Like, again, Sacramento last year, it took a 50-point game from Steph to beat them, right? Like going going back home, like it took a 50-point game to beat them, right? This team could kind of do that. This team could kind of shake up the playoffs a little bit, right? Like, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, after the All-Star break, we're looking we're looking at uh, the Indiana Pacers kind of in that hunt for that, you know, I wouldn't say the number one seed, but those top two seeds could be, it could be interesting. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, the Indiana Pacers are number, like, number three behind maybe, like, a behind maybe Milwaukee and maybe even a Boston, right? Like, I think Philly has the pieces together i think they're playing a lot better since the james harden trade um tyrese maxi has kind of come together in his own thing uh i just think they could be one of those teams to where if philly slips up too much uh any can kind of take it over and kind of end up being that third seed to where they have a little bit of an easier run in the playoffs to kind of get to maybe even the second round you know maybe even threaten to go to like the eastern conference finals um, I think they need some help. I think defensively, they're still lackluster. I think they don't really have a defensive presence there. Um, maybe they make a trade. Maybe they make a trade trying to get some a defensive stopper there because they really don't have anybody there. Like they have like Miles Turner, but he's never been known for like his defensive presence. And that team is young, so they don't really have anybody there that kind of tells them how to lock in. Uh, maybe they get a trade for a veteran. Maybe they sign a veteran in the offseason to kind of help them lock in to kind of push them over that hump. But if they can kind of get, like I said, they get a defensive stopper, maybe even – I mean, they don't really even need another score because Buddy Hill is there. and He can – he's one of those guys that will give you – that will pop off with like a 17-point night, right? And if he can do that and kind of take some of the pressure off of Halliburton, who gives – you know, he gives you that 17, 20 points a game randomly. You know, Halliburton can give you that 27 – so we don't know. This team could be very good, and I think it. I think Indy is suffering from 
um i don't want to say india's kind of suffering from what like the pace not the um the trailblazers kind of suffer from years of time where they have been really good but because they're not really in like a market that knows how to like um market them so to speak they're not in like a market for a big team like that they don't know how to kind of push them forward to kind of get them on those bigger stages and this is why i say the end season tournament really helped them because now a lot more player a lot more eyes have getting on them and like a lot more people are realizing oh this kid is something else right i heard the mvp chance i don't think he's there just yet um give us some more time i think he will be i mean he's leading the nba and assists right now at 11 a game so he will be there I just don't see him as the MVP level just yet, but I definitely think he will be a threat going forward in the NBA. So if you're a Boston, if you're a Milwaukee, if you're a uh, Philadelphia and you're not taking him seriously, they may end up slipping up and knocking you out of the playoffs. So we'll see because, like I said, he's just been fantastic. And this in-season tournament, like I said, has kind of helped um, – give a light to a lot of other players who in other times probably wouldn't be getting that light on them although you know sometimes that light now don't always work right lebron like how you gonna throw the ball at the man's foot and get upset because you didn't get the kickball call like bro like we all saw you did that we all saw you did that that game was weird too because like once again it gave us a great a great matchup between katie and lebron like that has kind of i don't want to say that's to kind of become like one of the rivalries in the nba because i don't think it's so much a rivalry as it is a lot of people other like like try to hop it up to be like oh you know katie got his two back on lebron i'm just like eh. katie had to go and get you know go run to you know golden state to win it but it is what it is but uh as far as like the controversy goes with the timeout call with uh lebron and um Austin Reeves it's hard to say because LeBron was making the gesture when he was losing the ball he did lose the ball when they finally called the timeout it it's one of those things to where it's hard to say who was right and who was wrong in the situation because of the fact that we'll never know like LeBron's never gonna be like yeah no, I know I definitely saw him lose the ball then call the timeout right and the refs have been the refs have been reffing this year right like in the NBA and in the NFL like the refs have missed like <laughs> like a lot of calls like I don't know if this was like kind of the mandate from like the teams and like uh the NBA and just kind of let it play out but the refs in both of the major sports in like you know American sports uh have been messing up on a lot of calls like that was a blatant pass interference call against uh marquez valdez getting in the uh game against green bay like he wasn't playing the ball at all he jumped through his back to kind of go get it that was a blatant one we had some other calls where it was just like ooh, y'all y'all getting it's getting to the it's getting to the point where when people think that it's scripted or it's rigged or you know the you know people play uh paid off the refs to now it's kind of getting hard to kind of like debate about it right like it, it like one or two like you may have one or two big missed calls like happen in the season right like one or two but like it's been like four in like the past five games to where it was just like if they lose and don't get to the playoffs or if they have a losing season or if they end up or someone else winning because of this it can look bad on you so I will say the NFL, NBA needs to check, needs to go back and look to see what's going on because a lot of it's just been, it's just been real bad calls. 
Um, speaking of bad calls, uh, we have the Philly game, Philly versus Dallas game coming up. And I've been hearing a lot of this recently over, you know, internet and Twitter and Facebook. Um, I'll say this. Dak has, Dak Prescott has put on a show the last five games. I think the last five games he went for like almost 600 yards. He's got like 16 touchdowns. I think like two interceptions, right? Like he, he has put on a show, right? Dak has not beaten anybody though, right? Like the teams he, like the last five games where he went on that tear, he played the Eagles, the Panthers, the Commanders, Seahawks, and the Giants, right? The Eagles are the only, you know, like the Eagles and the Seahawks are the only squad on there with a winning record. The Giants, they already beat them early on the season, like 38 to nothing. Uh, the Seahawks, they barely got past them. The Commanders, they beat them down. And the Panthers, they not it's not even a point at that point, right? The Panthers are not even going to try to compete right now, right? Um, I think the Panthers are the only thing the Panthers are doing are either trying to mess it up for the Bears to get that number one spot. So we'll see. Um, but <clears throat> as far as like the MVP goes, like Dak has stepped up his game, right? Like I will give credit where credit is due. Dak has again has been balling out these last five games. If he wins Sunday, I will say he's the MVP candidate. He has, but he has to actually beat a team with a winning record and is going into the playoffs, right? Like Seattle, we don't know how they're going to do, and the rest of the teams. Uh, don't have a winning record right when you talk about MVP again it's most valuable player and Dak is the most valuable player on the Dallas Cowboys right now I don't think you throw another quarterback in there and he they do this right like I don't think if Dak gets hurt and Trey Lance steps up I don't think the Cowboys continue on this run that they're on right now I think if Dak has to prove something to this next game, right? Because he almost beat uh, the Eagles um, last time they played. He almost, he had a great comeback against them. Again, if he doesn't throw it short and CD gets into the end zone, this is a completely different conversation, right? Uh, I think now is the time for Dak to kind of separate himself, right? Like Dak has kind of teetered on that precipice of being in that next stage of uh quarterbacks right like he's kind of teetered on being mentioned in the names with like patrick mahomes right he's kind of teetered with like um josh allen uh jalen hurts right like he's kind of teetered with those greater quarterbacks right in that next class of quarterbacks and if he can kind of go in and beat this philly team where i will be honest this philly team is not the same philly team from last year right like i think they kind of did it backwards they were so worried about replacing the pressure up front, they forgot about the back end because this back end is not the same it w- as it was like to, like last year, right? Like this, like yes, defensively they're not the same, right? Like yes, they're like still number one against the run, but like I said, um, when I did the numbers for them, like that they were like twentieth, like they were behind the Bears in passing defense, and the Bears have gotten better, and the Eagles have still gotten worse. They are not the same Eagles. Why do you think Brock Purdy was able to go crazy against them, right? <clears throat> but, yes, this is the opportunity you have, right? Like, the Eagles are down, right? Like, they're going to come in breathing fire into Jerry World, and you have got to know how to manage that and beat up on them, right? If you can go in and have one of those games like you had against the Commanders or have a game against you had, even if you had a game like you did the Eagles last year, you threw for 300 yards against them last time. 
Like if you can have one of those games where it separates you and you pushes you to that next echelon to quarterbacks, yeah, you you get to be the MVP because at that point there is not a doubt in my mind that if Dallas can beat Philly and kind of go on a run, they may end up being um the number one seed, right? And no one wants to go to Dallas to kind of have the road to the Super Bowl go through Dallas, right? Because uh, the NFC is kind of wide open, right? Like, yes, San Francisco right now is, like, the odds on favorite to be the number one seed after beating up Philly, like, uh, I think it was, like, 42 to 10 after beating up on them the way they did. Um, I don't see their, their schedule's going to be – it's still a little hard. They still have a little uh, – they got two more ga- – they got a game against the Cardinals, game against the Seahawks, and one more game against the Rams, and they still have a few other games that are going to be a little bit tough. But I think Brock – with Brock going on that three-game loser streak like he did, I think it kind of woke him up to kind of being like, I can't get comfortable. Because I think the problem was he got a lot comfortable in the situations where he was just so used to throwing it out or the defense sort of bailing him out, right? And when the defense wasn't bailing him out and they were making him throw to win the game, it wasn't the same. And now that you look at it now, that you've seen Brock Purdy play, and Brock has kind of taken that next step to being like, yo, like, this is my offense, right? Like, I am elevating this. Like, again, if you take Brock Purdy out of that situation, I don't think the 49ers are in the same spot. A lot of people said, like, you can plug any quarterback into that situation and they will win. I don't think so. Like, if this was, if Jimmy was still the starting quarterback, I don't think they beat Philly the way they did. I think Brock Purdy has elevated that team to where I think that they are unbeatable at certain points, right? Like a lot of people saying like, oh no, it's Brock, you know, it's Debo Samuels, it's George Kittle, it's Christian McCaffrey, it's Brandon Ayuk, you know, they got weapons everywhere, they got a great offensive line, anchored by like Trent Williams, they got, you know, Nick Bosa on one side, they got uh, Chase Young on the other, Fred Warner over there, they got defensive superstars everywhere, you know, Brock Purdy, he just so happens to be able to know, if if Jimmy Garoppolo is on this team, they are not looking as dominant as they do, like, they look like they are going to be hard to beat, and I would hate to have to go to San Francisco to play them, right? Like, if anything, I want you to come to me. I want you to be able to control uh, the tempo. I want you to have to feel the pressure at being at my having to come to my stadium to play. If they get that number one seed, they are a lock for the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, they are a lock, and I can't see too many teams going up there to beating them, right? We've seen teams go. We've seen Dallas try to go up there and beat them, and it didn't work, right? Like, it did not work. Like they came all pissed and vinegar and they got pissed on by them at like 42. Yeah. It ain't gonna work like that. Um, if like I said, so if Dak can beat Philly, he's the odds on favor for the MVP. If he doesn't, then Brock Purdy to me is the MVP. I, I just don't see another player being as important to his team. Now I know what a lot of people are going to say. Well, what about Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill is a fun. He's going to do things. He's going to break the record, right? He's going to have a two thousand yard receiving uh, receiving year this year, right? With the extra game, if this was still a seventeen game season, I don't think it happens with the, with that extra game in there. I think it definitely happens. Um, now it depends. Also, Miami is another case where 
I don't want to go to Miami because I want Miami to travel because Miami does not travel well, right? Like, I want Miami to go to a cold state, right? If, you know, Baltimore ends up getting the number one seed, that is great because I want Miami to come to me. I do not want to go to Miami and play, right? Like, because people, you know, will always say, well, it still gets cold in Florida. It's it's a different cold between Florida and, uh, you know, Baltimore. It's a different cold between um Baltimore and Kansas City, right? That Midwestern cold is a different level of cold. Y'all come from uh, Miami. It ain't that same thing. If you have to go to Miami and play them, it's a track meet, right? Everybody over there is fast. And now that Jalen Ramsey is back on that defense, it's over with, right? Once he gets back to, like, being in football shape because he hasn't really been in football shape these past two games, right? Like, I remember he's like, he said he's going to have a pick six, and then he got the interception, and he saw that – Offensive lineman was about to chase him down. He was like, oh, no, this ain't, I ain't ready just yet. Once he gets into football shape and he gets into kind of like a rhythm, they're going to be hard to beat. If Tua doesn't get hurt, I don't see them losing too many times soon, right? Um, Kansas City. Kansas City has had a problem now that I don't think it's ever needed really been addressed. But I think the problem is now that they kind of got exposed like two times now on national TV. One's in the Philly game on Monday night, and then this one that just happened against uh, Green Bay. Outside of Travis Kelsey, they don't really have anybody else that Patrick Mahomes trusts. There's a difference between trust and having good receivers, right? Patrick Mahomes trusts Travis Kelsey to go down there and get that seven yards when they need it. When Travis Kelsey is covered, he doesn't trust Kadarius and Tony. He doesn't trust Sky Moore. He's starting to kind of sort of get that trust with uh, Rasheed Rice, but he's not really there just yet, right? He doesn't have anybody he trusts to kind of get those yards, right? Last year, he had Juju. Where Again, Juju has not been the same receiver since he left uh, Baltimore. I mean, not Baltimore, since he left Pittsburgh. But he knew if it came down to it, Juju could get you those yards that you needed. He doesn't have that. And this is a lot on KC, right? KC not going out and getting a number one receiver when they had the opportunity to, right? Trade away your first round. You don't need, if you're Kansas City, you don't need a first round pick because you're always going to pick last. You're always going to be at the bottom. You're always going to be at pick number 32, right? Like 32, 30, 29. You're always going to be somewhere in that range, right? It's a good place to be. That means you've had a lot of success in your um season but that also means that you don't really need that much help and a lot of times a lot of those receivers are gone by that time and it's kind of sort of getting up there to where kc has kind of got exposed to where they don't have anybody else right with tyree hill gone right tyree hill leaving right like they and then i think what happened was patrick Mahomes kind of played out of his mind to kind of prove that he didn't need tyree hill and then when he ended up winning the Super Bowl, it was like, see, I think it tricked KC management to think like, oh, yeah, we're good. We can just go get anybody out there and Patrick will make it work. Right. That's why they re-signed MVS over Juju Smith-Schuster um, because they just saw, oh, it's going to make it work. And we've seen it's not making it work. Right. We've seen that MVS has dropped two crucial balls. Like the first one was a drop. The second one I talked about earlier where they need they should have called pass interference. But that one against Philly was a game killer was this that could be a season killer because if y'all go on to not 
I don't think they're not going to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. They're in a weak division in the AFC West. Um, the AFC is a toss up between like Baltimore, them, Miami. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think anybody else teams. I don't think any other team is really going to be a threat for them. They're going to be in the playoffs, but I just don't know if MVS drops another ball in like a playoff situation, right? Like imagine if he drops that in like a playoff where he's in the AFC championship game and that's the key factor that can win, right? So you're desperately need receiver help and you don't go out and get a DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like imagine Patrick Holmes with DeAndre Hopkins, right? Imagine, imagine again, you don't even have to go get like a D like a D hop, right? Like just get somebody to where he he is a A plus or at least at the very worst a B minus receiver that could have won that can win with Patrick Mahomes because you need some type of pressure to take off of Travis Kelsey and even if you do that a lot of those other receivers can kind of take advantage of it right if you all your focus on that is on like Travis Kelsey and another receiver right that opens up the like heck even if he went out and got Odell Beckham Jr. right like. Yes, Odell, Odell is not the same player he was in New York. He, Shoot, he's not even the same player he was in Cleveland, right? But he still can be used as a decoy, right? Like, you still have to pay some respect to uh, Odell Beckham Jr., right? If they would have went out and got him, Odell Beckham and Travis Kelsey, you're still not saying that that, that does not sound scary. Especially with the mind of Andy Reid trying to figure out how to get him open. And then if that opens up the field for like guys like Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, right? Isaiah Pachenko has kind of come out as in seed to be like the elite back there, right? They kind of answer the question of where a running game is, and they have the best defense that I think Patrick Mahomes has ever had. But now it's kind of being like, can Patrick win with this group? And I don't know if he can. Like he's not looked like the same MVP level, which is weird, right? Because he's still putting up great numbers, right? Like he still looks very, very good. But he's dropped from like that MVP level player to kind of just being a great player now. And that's a that's a scary thought to be if you were Patrick Mahomes after signing that huge contract that you did, right? Right? Because you signed that now it's gonna be going into the offseason if they get booted out and let's just say the second round, right? Like if, if they get booted out then, right? A lot of people are gonna be coming back on his door and be like, hey Patrick, you wanna do a hometown, you know, you know. Reconstruction, so that way we can go and kind of get somebody help to help you. And I tell everybody, it's always harder to ask for that money back after you didn't spend it. It's always hard to ask for that money back. Like I don't know, dog. I'm gonna get you on the fifth. I'm gonna see if we can do that. Um, but yeah, with Patrick Mahomes, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard with this Kansas City Chiefs offense. And I know a lot of people are gonna say, well, you know, it's because Matt Nagy is over there now, not Eric Bieniemy. I don't know about fully that. Um, I think that has an element in it, but I don't know if that's fully that either. I think Andy Reid still has the majority of the play calling. I think, you know, he's Matt Nagy is there, but he's not the guy that kind of has the final say in what goes on and off the field. So I wouldn't put that 100% on it. Uh, but I will say this, like I said, if they don't figure that out, I don't, this could be the first time we see the uh, Chiefs either having to go to a playoff game or be out of it by the AFC Championship. This would be a huge deal. And that's why I said the AFC is wide open. Because if you look at the top teams. You look at Baltimore. You look at Miami. You look at Jacksonville. You look at um, a Buffalo, right? They have a game against them, right? If, if Buffalo wins, that will be a telltale sign that it's time to go. 
that would be a telltale sign that something is terribly wrong. If Jacks, if uh, Josh Allen finds a way to beat Patrick Mahomes for like the first time in his career, that would be a scary thought because now you have to answer those questions like, can we win with this team? Can we win with the squad that we have? And if not, we really have to think about what we have to do going into the future. Because again, if you're if you're the Chiefs, you have Patrick Mahomes, so it's not like it's hard to get players to go there. The problem is you have Patrick Mahomes and you paid him a lot of money, so there's not too much money to go around. And then you go sign Chris Jones. So, like, the defense is set, right? The defense is set, but you don't have enough money to kind of go around and kind of get a top-tier player. So now you're kind of sort of hoping and praying that you land somebody in the draft where it could not work like that. I'm just saying, like, if if I'm anyone, if I am the Chiefs offense uh, coordinator, the tape reviewer guy. Hell, if I'm the janitor, I'm looking at any number one receiver who is upset at their team and thinking like, like, listen, if we can find a way to get you here, you you will win. Like, you can go ahead and trade the first two your two first round picks for the next two years. We can get somebody good, right? Like Devontae Adams has already wants to leave. Uh, now, how was I to say Oakland? It's just so stuck in my mind for Oakland. Uh, he wants to leave uh, L.A. I mean Las Vegas. So shoot, trade uh trade the Raiders two first round picks and get Devontae Adams and get this over with, right? Devontae Adams and Patrick Mahomes is, is a deadly duo. So that be that would be it right there. And I can't see why why it wouldn't happen like that. So if I am because again, with it being so wide open, like this is the first year where it's really kind of anybody's game. Cause this is the first year, like I said, we have never really seen Kansas City look this week. We've never really seen Baltimore look this strong with all the weapons they finally got over Lamar Jackson. Yes, statistically, Lamar Jackson has kind of taken a step back, but I think overall it's for the better because now he's winning more, right? Like statistically, sure, he was up there, but now it's just like he wasn't as winning as possible. Now with the extension with Zay Flowers coming together, right? With Odell Beckham, even though, like I said, he's not being Odell Beckham of the past, he's still Odell Beckham Jr., so you still got to give him some credit. And even better with Mark Andrews opening up and with, yes, the running back by committee, but they still look good, and that defense is still looking great. Like, this is why I didn't want to call them, like, the best Raven defense ever because they did give up some points recently, but they're still looking very, very strong. So that's a toss-up between them. Like, we'll have to see what happens with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, if this is a very bad injury with him, he may, and he may miss, like, significant time or even worse, be out for the season, I think Jacksonville's um, playoffs hunts are kind of donezo. Um, but if Trevor Lawrence can come back and play, I think Trevor Lawrence is looking better, right? Like Trevor Lawrence has become very good. I think if Jacksonville can figure out just how to get the ball more to its star players, like a, uh, like a Travis Etienne, like Calvin Ridley, like as even as a Jones and Emmanuel and, um, uh, the tight end, I forgot his name, Emmanuel. Yeah. If they can get it to Ingram, sorry, Ingram, if they can get it to him and they can kind of rely, that defense is not out of this world like it used to be. It's not Saxonville like it used to be, but it's still very, very good. So it can still compete and can still go up there, right? Um, we'll see how that goes with them. If, like I said, it all really funds around if Trevor Lawrence isn't too badly hurt. If he's too badly hurt, it's all over with them. 
same because it's the same thing with Cincinnati, right? Like Cincinnati, yeah, Jake Browning was able to kind of lead them on this cape on this uh, run against Jacksonville, but it took like overtime and like almost the whole game to just barely beat them, right? Like they can't rely on that completely with Jake Browning. Uh, so we don't know what Cincinnati is going to be, and with you know Cleveland being on its third, you know, its fourth quarterback in this you know fourth try. We don't know what it's going to be. So it's such a toss-up right now. So with the AFC being so wide open, we don't know who's going to be. I'm still sticking with Baltimore as my pick to come out of the AFC just because I think with everything going on, they're the most complete team. I think they, from top to bottom, they're the most complete. So, yeah, Baltimore looks like it's going to win. And that's why I said if Kansas City has to go on the road, which is which would be something they haven't done since I want to say 2017, since they lost to uh, New England, like in Tom Brady's like kind of last playoff game. Well, not want to say last playoff game, but kind of Tom Brady's last like good year in New England, right? Like since that last time, uh, that was the last time they had to go on the road for a playoff game, right? Like every every sing, every other time they had to go through since uh, grow through. KC. So with like I said, KC going on the road, it would be a lot different, and I think it could upset them in a way. Uh, as far as the NFC goes, it's not as wide open. There is clearly like three teams that are top tier. You have uh, San Francisco, you have Philly, you have Dallas. Every other team there is. I don't want to say every other team there is just kind of cannon fodder for those teams. But I don't see any other team really like setting themselves apart from it, right? Dallas, we don't, we never know. We never know what Dallas going into it, right? We never know if Dallas is going to end up being this is the year that Dallas puts it all together, right? Like I said, if he is fine, if Dak Prescott can find a way to beat Philly this year, I mean this you know upcoming game, they may end up being a team that may end up going to the Super Bowl. Uh, San Francisco still looks amazing. Like I said, they're the most complete team in the NFC. I don't see anybody really beating them, especially if they don't have to leave the house. If they have, if you have to go to San Francisco to play them, it's all over. And Philly is going to have to figure out that defense, right? Like defensively, like I said, that is their one Achilles heel right now. They do not. It is not the same defense from uh, last year. That secondary is not the same. That secondary looks terrible. And if anything has shown, again, if the San Francisco game has shown, if you can find a way to block that, um, block that defensive line again, which not too many people can do, if you can find a way to do that, you can expose that back. You can expose that back in. And if you make Philly have to kind of shoot out with you, right? If you make Philly have to throw the ball for ball, right? Like if you make Philly say, okay, cool. Beat us with your arm because we're gonna just gonna keep scoring, right? You're gonna have to beat us with seven points. You're not gonna beat us with three. If you make Philly do that, Philly is can be get beat. And like I said, San Francisco is kind of sort of the only team. Maybe Dallas that can do it with that offensive line to kind of hold off that defensive line to where again they can go throw for throw. Again, Jalen Hurts is a very has elevated himself, but he looks like he took a step back. You know, he looks like he's taking a step back without uh, his offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach in um, Arizona, right? He looks like he's taking a step back. They haven't been able to figure out how to get the ball to guys like A.J. Brown, right? Guys like 
uh, Devontae Smith, right? They really don't have a run game to kind of speak of, right? Like right now they look, Detroit looks like an amazing, uh, amazing trade partner for trading away Devontae, uh, not Devontae Swift, because Devontae Swift have not been the same, right? A lot of that running has kind of fallen onto Jalen Hurts. And we can kind of see it's kind of taking its toll on him as the season progressed. And he does not look the same that he did in the beginning of the season. And you're talking about having to make him go on the, go on another one of those runs to kind of get to the Super Bowl. So if we're not careful, dear God, dear God, if we're not careful, we could have a Dallas in the Super Bowl. I don't think the world will ha- is ready for the amount of like they don't even have to win mind you they don't have to win because mind you there are a generation of people who have been born that has not seen dallas in the super bowl right like like just imagine that right like we have seen like multiple teams be in the super bowl we've seen like kingdoms fall and rise again before in dallas's last time in the super bowl right just it, we would not be able to handle it. The world would hear Texas like literally explode if Dallas gets to the Super Bowl because it they don't even have to win it. They just have to get there. Like that's all they care about is getting back to the Super Bowl. Like Jesus, we would be in so much trouble. Um, but no, if if Philly can, if you make Philly throw for go throw for throw, then yeah, you can beat them. And if they're only like I said, there are only two teams that can do that which is San Francisco and which is Dallas. So that's why I said this game coming up is going to be very interesting because if Dallas is able to hopscotch them and get to be the NFC champs and make Philly go to Dallas again, oh, no, it's going to be over. Um, before I head about it here, I do want to talk about this since we are in talk about playoffs and we talk about NFC. Um, NFL, come here. Come, come, come to the altar. We're going to have to have a conversation because what we're not finna do is have yet another bad team host a playoff game. Atlanta, I love y'all. Love y'all, Atlanta. Also, kind of lay off on Keith Lee, but I love y'all, Atlanta. Y'all got to realize, y'all team is bad. There is no reason why y'all should be able to host a playoff game. They're going to be only, what, the third team to be under 500 to host a playoff game, right? Seattle did it one time when they were seven. This was back then when they were, like, seven and nine. Uh, when they had like the worst division in football was the NFC West, and they, they Seattle won it because someone had to win it, so they ended up hosting the playoff game. Uh, now it ended up being one of the better games because it ended up being like the Beast Quake when that uh, Marshawn Lynch with the run where they actually literally caused an earthquake because of the excitement. But I don't think that's going to happen in Atlanta because Atlanta is a terrible team right now. Right, the NFC South is terrible. Right, like. You guys, like, again, the coach didn't want to give his main players the ball because he hated the fact that people were upset because they had uh, Bijan uh, Robinson and, like, Kyler uh, Pitts on, like, fantasy. He's like, ah, I'm not going to give them the ball because, like, they upset me because they get mad at me and tell me that I should run them some more, right? Imagine not having your best players use, use their football skills to win you games because – because people were mean to me because they told me they messed up their fantasy. Right? Like, imagine that, right? Just imagine that, right? You're willing to sacrifice winning games to prove other people wrong, right? When Jonu Smith has more touchdowns than Kyle Pitts, right? There's something wrong, right? When uh, B. John Robinson has 
only had one game where he scored more than two touchdowns. There's something wrong with that. You drafted this guy early, right? You went against all conventions and drafted a running back in the top five. Use him. You have the you have one of the most athletic tight ends to ever come out of college. You have a guy that's a matchup nightmare for linebacker safeties and sometimes even some corners. Use him. Like my guy, Arthur Smith, you can it's okay to actually have good players and use them. It's okay to win football games. You don't have to do it to spite fans, right? I get it. You guys are a little nervous about people with parlays and fantasy football in that building. What happened with Kyle, uh, Calvin Ridley? I understand that. But my guy, you can do it. Just hand the ball. It's it's simple. All you got to do is get your plays from Madden. Like, halfback draw. Right? Boom. There you go. Right there. Tight end screens. Do something. But don't say that you're not going to use them because, like, oh, uh, the fantasy, you know, people were upset at me because I didn't use them for their fantasy, so I'm going to spite them now. Right? You're going to spite yourself out of a play, out of a uh, spot to be in. In the playoffs to go have to go against a team like a Dallas who's going to wipe the floor with you, right? Like, come on, my guy. Especially this year when the NFC South was so weak, y'all could have ran away with this. Y'all could have been in the top seed. Y'all could have been a top seed. Y'all could have had an opportunity to be a number one seed, but you didn't want to do it because you're stupid. Stupidness should not be rewarded with a home playoff game. NFL, y'all need to change this and make them go on the road to make them go on the road. To like, they should be the team with the better record. You should have to go there, right? Like, that's the only way. That's the only way it makes sense because this will now cause everything to be upheaval, right? Because I don't want to live through another one of those cases where you know people are upset and then Dallas kind of gets that easy run to go to the playoffs. So let's not do this for me, please, please God. That's all I ask. And with that note, I'm out of here. Appreciate. It. Shout out to Flynn Raider for putting me on. Until next time, guys. I got two fingers for you. Deuces.